You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic. It is Friday. The weekend is here. A lot to get to ahead, though, on today's episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast. We continue with our position previews, talking about BYU's tight end room, a very talented and deep unit. How will BYU get all of these guys onto the field? We'll examine that. We'll also continue our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown with a look back at 1987 for the BYU football football program and of course we'll catch you guys up on everything else involved in BYU sports including an interesting story that a good friend of the podcast shared with us earlier this week that we'll pass along to you guys today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at the locked on today podcast get caught up on all the major sports news you guys need to know about every single day in 20 minutes or less with the locked on today podcast host Peter Bukowski does a bang up job making sure you guys get up to speed download it wherever you get your podcast All right, without further ado here on a Friday, let's get into it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 16th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I, of course, work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Some of you may better know me by my nickname, Yawk, on that station. But a big thank you once again for spending some time with us right here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Plenty to get to ahead on today's show, but a reminder right off the top here to make sure you guys hit that follow button wherever you're listening in from. And in, in addition to that, if your podcast provider allows you to leave feedback, whether it's a rating or a review, I know on Apple Podcasts, they have the star rating, and also you can leave sentence or two, what you like about the show, the comments section. Please do so. Those algorithms in those podcast providers, Apple chief among them, when they see you guys interacting with the show in terms of leaving a five-star rating, that's what we want, we have five stars only, but in addition to that, leaving comments of what you like about the show or just comments in general, it helps us find BYU fans, and BYU fans in turn find us right here on the podcast, thereby building the community and making it just a better place to be. So big thank you for your guys' support as always on this venture. It's a blast to be with you guys every day. And make sure you join us as often as possible. You guys have been fantastic, but I can always use more support of you guys listening more often because your guys' feedback, when uh, when you guys reach out, it's invaluable when you guys say, hey, I've been listening to the X number of episodes and this is what I've got for you. Very much in some cases can be a very small sample size. When you guys listen to more of the show, I feel like you get a more well-rounded look of what I'm talking about when we expand on some of the themes that have been long-running ones right here on the show. So once again... A big thank you for your support. I truly mean it. It's a blast to be with you guys every single day and hope you guys find this podcast to your liking. All right, let's get going here on a Friday and talk about our position previews. We've done quarterbacks, the Frodo position. We did uh, the defensive, not defensive tackle, the nose tackle position on yesterday's podcast. Today, we're flipping back over to the offensive side of the football, and let's talk BYU tight ends. This unit is 
very, very deep. It's very, very talented. And the chief guy on this unit is going to be Isaac Rex. Who else? A guy who had a freshman All-American campaign, 12 touchdown receptions last year, very much emerged out of the shadow of what appeared to be a devastating injury to Matt Bushman in in the the training camp portion of BYU season last year. Well, Isaac Rex just came out and was a man amongst boys in many respects. Six foot six, 250 some odd pounds, can run like a deer or an elk, if you will. Uh, Shout out to Give Him Hell, Bring Him the Podcast. Jeff and Garrett doing a good job with that nickname. But Isaac Rex leads this unit, and he's only going to be technically, I believe, is he a freshman? No, he's a sophomore this year, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. COVID-19, freezing eligibility has got me all kinds of out of whack when it comes to classifications for young men. Regardless of if Isaac is a freshman or a sophomore, he is the leader of this unit. He's got all the talent to make the jump to the NFL as soon as this next offseason. I'm not saying he's going to, folks, but I'm telling you, the talent is there and NFL scouts, NFL personnel are sniffing around because he is eligible to make the jump. I know that many of you are saying, well, he's only a sophomore. After you've been out of high school for three years, the mission is included in that. Having served a mission, he is eligible to leave. He actually could have left this past offseason and had no problems. That probably would have been a little foolhardy. But if he goes out and proves once again this coming year that he can recreate what he had in 2020, man, I'd be hard-pressed to tell him not to jump to the NFL and go start making money playing this game. But the good news is, beyond Isaac Rex, there is still plenty of talent. Guys in many other instances probably would be a starter or at least a guy on the two-deep that may end up being a fourth or fifth-string guy on this year's team. It's just that deep at tight end. On the depth chart that BYU revealed at BYU Football Media Day, their post-spring depth chart, it lists Isaac Rex as the clear-cut starter at tight end. The backup they list is Mason Wake. And many of you know that Mason Wake plays that wingback or fullback position for BYU, but he does train with the tight end unit, so that's why he's listed as the backup to Isaac Rex. Are you going to see Mason Wake running the routes that Isaac Rex runs? No, you will not. But he is a very valuable piece for the BYU offense, a guy who I think is is going to make an impact once again this year. I love the nickname Air Wake for his proclivity to making sure that he jumps over guys if at all possible. And I really, really like his game, and he's going to be a big part of BYU's offense this year. Another guy uh, to talk about in that regard is... Uh, Mason Fakahua came into BYU as a quarterback, but making the transition to that kind of fullback wingback position, I heard good things about him out of spring camp. So keep an eye on him working with Mason Wake there at that wingback slash fullback spot. Third on the depth chart, according to BYU's Carter Wheat, the redshirt freshman tight end, six foot four, 236 pounds. Oh, funny enough, Isaac Rex is actually listed as a redshirt freshman. That's crazy to me, but that's just how COVID goes. So both him and Carter Wheat seemingly have been at BYU forever. Both still technically redshirt freshmen. And Carter Wheat continues to grow in his role. He is going to be a more than capable number two guy, the running partner for a guy like Isaac Rex. Does things differently on the field than Isaac Rex, but is plenty effective. I love Carter Wheat's game. He is a hard-nosed, hard-edged player who is going to give you no uh, flashiness, I feel like, but produces at an extremely high level. That's just kind of the way he plays the game. He's a he's not a 
talker. He's not a showboat. He just gets the job done. And I think he is going to be a great foil for Isaac Rex. Also on the roster, guys like Bentley Hanshaw, a true freshman out of Moore Park, California. I know he's been on the roster since 2017, served a mission, etc. But he's still just a freshman. Six foot five, 250 pounds. He's finally growing into his expansive frame. His dad, Tim Hanshaw, was an offensive lineman for BYU. And Tim ended up playing for the San Francisco 49ers for a time. So Bentley has got all the ability in the world. If he continues to grow into that frame and really hone his craft, he's going to be a force. Also on the roster is uh, uh, Lane Lunt, the walk-on junior college transfer, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds, out of Eastern Arizona College. Lane Lunt was a surprise last year. Came on as kind of that number three guy for BYU at tight end. Was very, very good. And I think surprised some folks with what he was able to do. In talking with some people around the the program, speaking of coaches and staff members, they actually weren't surprised. They felt like he could come in and be an impact guy who could just really step in and make uh, plays for BYU, and that's exactly what he did. He may find uh, playing time a little tougher to come by, considering BYU now returns Dallin Holker to the BYU tight end unit, and Holker is going to be a fantastic player. A different player than Isaac Rex. He's not as big. Uh, listed probably six foot four. Maybe they'll list him at six foot five. I don't know what the list him at, but he'll probably weigh about 220, 225 pounds. Probably add some weight on over the next couple of years coming back off that mission. But Dallin Holker has every bit the ability to take over potentially that number two role for BYU tight BYU tight end unit. That for the BYU tight end unit. My my grammar is awful. I apologize for that. But nonetheless. I really like his game. Holker has been working diligently since getting home. He's training with Jordan Pendleton over there in Lehigh. And if he hits the ground running in fall camp, do not be surprised if Dallin Holker is on the field as soon as the Arizona game. Are we 50 days away today? Yes, 50 days away from today. Crazy enough. One other name to pay attention to in that tight end unit is Ben Tui Pelotu out of Fort Mill, South Carolina. Six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. His older brother Hank Tui Pelotu took a medical red, sh- uh, not a medical red, shirt, a medical retirement after multiple knee injuries and his inability to really get back onto the field in any significant fashion. But Ben Tui Pelotu's got plenty of talent. Of course, the Tui Pelotu last name has been synonymous with BYU for the better part of three decades now, and you expect Ben Tui Pelotu will carry on that tradition of the Tui Pelotu name for BYU. But as I mentioned, similar to Lane Lunt, Ben could find playing time very tough to come by. But I also believe that BYU's coaching staff, and in particular, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, he likes to use the tight end, speaking of Coach Roderick. So don't be surprised to see a lot of two tight ends and potentially even some three tight end sets at times on the field for BYU. I'm telling you, Dallin Holker has the ability to split out and play wide out if need be. He could play that split end position, I guess is what we term it. I don't know which one to term it, a Y receiver. They could play three tight ends at any given point this season and it would not surprise me in the least. So this is a very, very deep unit headlined by Isaac Rex, a guy who I said could end up in the NFL as soon as next year. I truly believe that. But BYU has a bevy of riches, a bevy of talent at tight end, and it is going to serve them well this upcoming season. Fingers crossed they also stay healthy, they push each other for playing time, and they get the best out of all these players this coming fall. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll look back 
back at 1987 in our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. How did things go as the Cougars tried to bounce back from a lackluster or what is perceived to be a lackluster 1986 season? We'll get to that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at First Colony Mortgage. BYU fans are obviously very familiar with a certain championship team out of Provo from 1984, but there's also another championship team that got its start in Utah County that exact same year. That would be our good friends at First Colony Mortgage. Crazy to think about that they have been around as long as they have because I've seen the First Colony name I feel like my entire life. Well, for good reason. I was born in 1987. They started in 1984, so they predate me even, guys. But we want to have you guys check them out. First Colony Mortgage is your full-service mortgage lender, so that means from beginning to end, everything's taken care of by the First Colony team. Our good friend Zach Hicken, formerly of KSL TV, is our loan officer at First Colony Mortgage for the Locked On Cougars podcast. Any financing you need for your home, Zach can and will take care of you. I promise you of that. Whether you're looking to get into a new home, build, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash-out refinance, or just want to take advantage of low rates and refinance and get a lower rate, shorten the term on your your mortgage, they can do all that. Zach's got you there to walk you through every step of that loan process. You can reach out to Zach directly by calling him 801-380-0752 or check him out at hickenhomeloans.com. That's H-I-C-K-E-N homeloans.com. That's Zach Hicken, NMLS 205-2216. First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112. First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Once again, reach out to Zach and the First Colony team by calling him 801-380-0752 or go to hickenhomeloans.com. That's First Colony Mortgage, a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. All right, my friends, let's look back once again on BYU football history and our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown as it continues today with 1987. Some of you may have heard yesterday's podcast. I hope all of you heard yesterday's podcast talking about 1986. We're going to build a little bit off of that. But 1987 was the first season that I was alive for. Do I remember 1987? No, because I think by the time the season kicked off, that would have been in, what, late August? No, early September. I would have been a grand total of seven months old. So there you go. Uh, 1987, though, the first season I was alive for. And building off the 1986 conversation we had yesterday is that BYU from 1972, when Lavelle Edwards really took over, had an incredible run of quarterbacks. You think about it. Gary Scheide goes to Gifford Nilsson. Mark Wilson and Jim McMahon. Then you go to Steve Young. Then you go to Robbie Bosco. And in 1985, when Robbie Bosco graduated, BYU uh, seemingly found themselves with their pants down. And I know that's a kind of a crude expression, but did not have a ready-made replacement for Robbie Bosco. And it affected BYU in 1986. Steve Lindsley, the first return missionary quarterback to start for Lavelle Edwards, had his one season in the sun. And that put BYU right back into a quarterback competition going in to the 1987 season. And enter... The contestants, Sean Covey, Bob Jensen, and Mike Young, the three guys who were beaten out by Steve Lindsley in 1986, all returned to compete for playing time that year, and Bob Jensen won the competition. He's a native of Fillmore, Utah, if I'm not mistaken. It's funny enough, uh, middle of the state, many of you have driven through Fillmore, maybe have stopped there and played that little golf course 
off to the side there. Well, that's where Bob Jensen hailed from, and he took over the starting job for BYU, and the hope was that he could bring some stability to the quarterback position for BYU because he was a junior. So the thought was, okay, he goes out there, he's the guy, he has two years to prove what he can do and kind of bridge uh, the gap for BYU and get them back into the quarterback business. Well, unfortunately, uh, it did not work out that way, plain and simple in 1987. Bob Jensen ended up starting, I believe, the first eight games of the season. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. seven. The first seven games of the season, Bob Jensen did start. But then midway through the year, Lavelle Edwards opted to bench Jensen in favor of sophomore Sean Covey. Of course, many of you remember that last name, Covey. It's been synonymous with BYU and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints forever. Well, Sean Covey finished out the year as the starting quarterback, and their stats indicated as such that they split time in 1987 overall. For example, let's look at this. Bob Jensen, he completed 144 of 259 passes, had a total of 1,833 yards, 10 touchdowns against 14 interceptions, also absorbed 27 sacks. Sean Covey, he passed for 1,668 yards, had 8 touchdowns against 9 interceptions, and 14 sacks of his own. So both of them struggled in terms of the overall disparity with throwing touchdowns versus interceptions, and it affected BYU's fortunes during this campaign. There is no doubt about that. They started the year at home hosting Pittsburgh, so the Panthers came out to Provo and handed BYU a 27-17 loss. BYU fell behind about middle of the second quarter in this game, never recovered, ended up losing that game 27-17 despite a last gasp attempt at getting themselves back into it. Then BYU went on the road to Texas the second week of the year and won that game 22-17. So it's a fine win. The Longhorns are one of the blue bloods of this sport. You take any win you can get down there in Austin. BYU did just that. The following week, they went back to the Lone Star State to take on TCU for the first time in program history, if I recall. They went to Ammon G. Carter Stadium, and TCU sent them home with a 33-12 loss. So a really rough start to the year for BYU, sitting at 1-2, and two, and guess what? They would continue to have issues throughout the year, but they did avoid a letdown when it came to opening up conference play. When on September 26th, they had their third straight road game in the month, going to New Mexico, but handled things just fine there in Albuquerque, winning 45-25. to They came back home, took on Utah State the following week, won that game over the Aggies 45-24. to So it appears that all is well. They're sitting at 3-2, and two, but then Wyoming comes to town and rallies late to beat BYU at home 29-27, to leaving BYU at 3-3 three and three midway through their season. The Cougars then went to Hawaii, won that game 16-4, to and then the following week when they took on Air Force, this is when the quarterback shift took place. They did beat Air Force 24-13 on Halloween, but then the month of November shifted full attention to Sean Covey as BYU's quarterback. The Cougars hosted San Diego State on November 7th, won that game 38-21, won at UTEP the following week 37-24, beat Utah once again. This is the era that BYU was invincible against Utah, it felt like, but this was a close game 21 to 18. And then a notable thing about the 1987 season is BYU played their third ever regular season contest outside the United States of America when they traveled to Melbourne, Australia to take on Colorado State in a conference game. Yes, this was a whack game when they took on Colorado State down there in Melbourne. A lot of hopes were that this could invigorate a crowd, get a big following down there in Australia. 
only 7,000 people showed up as BYU held on to beat Colorado State 30-26 to in their regular season finale there on December 5th, all the way across the Pacific in Australia. So that brought BYU's record on the season to a grand total of 9-3 and as they come out of the regular season. So not bad, if we're being honest. 9-3, and you'll take it. But as compared to what BYU had seen in the earlier part of the decade, winning a national title, winning 10 and 11 games, winning the whack handily, it felt like, and having quarterbacks who put up just absolutely gaudy statistics. This was a letdown by comparison. BYU finished the year in second place in the WAC. Wyoming did win the conference with a 10-3 overall record. They were perfect 8-0 in the WAC. They beat BYU 29-27, as you will recall, at midseason. BYU finished second in the WAC for the second straight year with a 7-1 record and did receive an invite to go to the All-American Bowl, which was hosted at Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama. They took on the Virginia Cavaliers and lost that game 22-16, leaving BYU's overall record record at nine and four in the 1987 season. Uh, like I mentioned, you look at nine and four and you say, okay, it's a pretty good year, but it just, as compared to what BYU had seen earlier on in the decade, anything less than it felt like 11 wins was a failure in some cases, but that's kind of how things go. When you win at the level BYU was winning at, it's hard to keep that going, but BYU still continued to win at a pretty high clip, all things considered. The good news is, beginning in 1988, which we will talk about on Monday, and carrying on through 1991, some dude by the nickname uh, Ty Detmer, not nickname, the full name of Ty Detmer, shows up and, wow, BYU gets right back into the quarterback business. Uh, maybe not right away, but it came with some hardware down the line, and we'll continue to talk about that when we get into 1988 on Monday's edition of the show. So a lot of fun to be had. I'm loving talking about these seasons, but I do need to talk about something that I got a phone call about from a good friend of the podcast, and we'll get to that next as we wrap up this week on the show. An interesting note about BYU in the 1980s and their perception around the NCAA, around the WAC. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, my friends. Baseball, obviously, ongoing. They're getting back into full action today. The second half of the season, quote-unquote, gets rolling. If you want to bet on your team, well, you can do it at betonline.ag. You want to put futures odds, the money down on those when it comes to the NFL and college football, you can do that. Essentially, anything and everything you want to do with sports betting, prop bets, uh, futures, all that stuff's all available. Check that out at betonline.ag. They are our good friends here on Locked On Cougars, and they want you guys to get in on the action and to entice you to do so, they're offering you a special bonus, a 50% welcome bonus for signing up at betonline.ag first off. And when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On to get that 50% welcome bonus. So, for example, you go to betonline.ag, use that promo code Locked On, and if you were to deposit $100, all of a sudden you have $150 to play with. It is simple and easy, and it's very straightforward. Give it a shot, guys. Betonline.ag, use that promo code Locked On once again to get that 50% welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of our friends at BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts. 
Friends, it is time once again to talk about our good friends over at Built Bar. They are a proud sponsor here on Locked On Cougars. They are a huge sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network and could not be more excited to continue to be working with them. They are the best tasting protein bars out there. I mean that sincerely. I love these protein bars. I rant and rave about them in my everyday life. Anybody who knows me personally probably has heard me talk about them at some point in our daily conversations. I'm that crazy about them. I I mean that sincerely. They have got all kinds of delicious flavors, both nut and non-nut flavors, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, for example, salted caramel, cookies and cream. They've got it all, folks. The best part about these protein bars is they taste like a candy bar. This is not a chalky bar that you feel like you need to down a gallon of milk just to choke it down. No, they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And the incredible part is how healthy they are for you guys. They have between 17 to 18 grams of protein packed into those bars. Calorie ranges from 100 30 to 180 calories. The best part, only four to five grams of sugar and just four to five grams of net carbs. So no matter where you're at in your health journey, try to lose or maintain weight. This is the perfect supplement for you guys to add to your routine. I have, I've been very satisfied. Get to built.com right now. You can order them there while you're there. Use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order. That's L O C K E D one five for 15% off your next order. That's built.com promo code locked 15 and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. Want to wish you all a very happy Preston Lewis and Burke Parker Day. That means we are 50 days away from BYU football kicking off the season there at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Both Burke Parker, a walk-on offensive lineman from Honolulu, Hawaii, and Kamehameha Kapalama High School, and also Preston Lewis, a product of Alpine, Utah, and Lone Peak High School, were the number 50 for BYU. Parker, an offensive lineman. Lewis, a pass-rushing specialist at a Lone Peak, playing linebacker for BYU. Both of them will be looking as freshmen this year to make an impact in fall camp and hopefully work their way up the depth chart to see more playing time. But the good news is, 50 days, folks. We are just 5-0, 50 days away from BYU football kicking off the season. I love milestone numbers. 50 seems like a very good one. It's crazy to think tomorrow is seven weeks away, 49 days. Super, super excited to have BYU football back in our lives. I know I'm excited. I'm sure you guys are excited, especially if you're listening to this podcast. So once again, a happy Preston Lewis and Perk, Burke Parker Day. Burke. B-U-R-K-E, Parker Day. So a lot to get to ahead on that front. We'll continue to break these down, talk about different players as we count you down towards BYU football. But one note for you guys on the BYU women's volleyball front for a moment here is that BYU had their 2021 season announced. Fantastic slate of games, honestly. BYU will open the season against Southern Utah in the doTERRA Classic hosted by BYU. They'll also take on Long Island University in that, as well as UNLV, as they will come to for that. Then BYU the following weekend will have what they call the BYU Invitational hosted by BYU where Weber State and Dixie State as well as Michigan State will be in town. So a lot of big names coming to BYU. The Cougars will also go to the Panther College Challenge hosted by Pitt. Uh, That'll be September 10th and 11th. They'll be facing off against the likes of Bowling Green, host Pitt and High Point University. Then obviously they have their in-state games against Utah, Utah Valley and then of course they'll have to run the gauntlet that is WCC Women's volleyball. The good news is 
BYU is one of the big dogs, if not the big dog, in women's volleyball in the West Coast Conference. I would have full faith that Heather Olmstead and her squad will be expecting to make another run in the NCAA tournament and make a run at a WCC title as well. All right, so there you go. That's the news you need to know about. But also one fun story. Mel Olson, who has been on the show recently, talking about his time serving as the offensive line coach and JV slash freshman coach for BYU under Lavelle Edwards, called me up earlier this week and said, hey, Jake, I got a couple of things I'd like to pass along to you. And we got to talking. Did you guys know, and some of you may know this story. I may have known it and completely forgot it. I feel like I did not know this story. But many of you know the whole missionary transfer being an advantage allegations for BYU. It's existed for the better part of three decades since BYU started, started winning at a very big clip, actually more like four decades, going back to the 1970s plus. But nonetheless, during that era, uh, Mel Olson was working on BYU staff. He was recruiting players, all that stuff. Well, did you guys know in the 1980s, right around when BYU won the national title, there was actually a proposal put forth to the NCAA to have BYU uh, be have. Okay, here let me back up on that. There was a proposal put forward, and uh, Mel was not 100% certain on who actually put the proposal forward. But it was put forth that BYU, having guys serve missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it was an unfair advantage. And actually was something that was sent to the NCAA, a proposal that was going to say that BYU was unable to have the two years of the eligibility frozen for players who served a mission. Obviously, it would throw a massive wrench in what BYU was trying to do with the football program. And funny enough, serving a mission was not an advantage until BYU started winning big. Shocking, I know. But uh, Mel said that this was actually brought to the WAC's attention. There was actually going to be a vote placed or a vote taken. And Glenn Tucker, who was then the athletic director for BYU, was prepared to defend BYU against uh, the quote-unquote allegations and make the case for why this should not be uh, passed, etc., do you guys know that the Air Force Academy of all programs stepped in and stood up for BYU and backed them up in this proposal? The Air Force essentially stepped up and said, you know what, if we're going to do this, who's to say you guys aren't going to come for our pilots next? Because the Air Force at that time, if I recall, and like I said, I'm fuzzy on the details on this, but it was very interesting to hear uh, Mel talk about this and explain that the Air Force Academy actually came to the aid of BYU and pretty much told people, back off. This is not something we want to do. We don't want to be messing with this. And as we all know, more and more guys in the BYU football program have gone on to serve missions, thousands of them, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints over the years. And the funny thing is, as Mel mentioned, is the 1984 season, they only had about a third of their roster who had served missions. I think last year's team, was it upwards of 70 guys on the 123-man roster? So well over half had served missions or were serving missions. BYU has become a magnet in that regard. If there's a young man who wants to serve a mission, well, by and large, BYU is going to be in the mix for them because BYU knows how to work with return missionaries. But it was very cool to hear that. Some of you may know that story, and if you have more details on it, I'd be happy to have you guys let me know about them. Reach out via email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Be happy to sit down with you, talk to you about it, whether via phone or Zoom, and get some more details. But if you know about that story, and like I said, I may have known it at one point, but it felt like I was learning new information from Mel Olson. 
really cool to hear about the Air Force Academy going to bat for BYU during this era because, as we mentioned, missions are not a problem when you're not winning. But when you start winning, well, they have grown men going against our 18-year-olds. You hear that from every coach out there. It's the lamest excuse. I actually appreciate when coaches acknowledge that, you know what, if we were smart and apparently if it was an advantage, we'd send our guys on a mission. Very few are ever going to say that, but it's the truth. So thank you, Mel. Thank you for telling me that story. I figured I'd tell you guys, our listeners, about that as well as you we round out this week. Well, would you look at that? We are over time here on a Friday, but nonetheless, it's been an absolute privilege and an honor to be with you guys all week long once again. Next week, we continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, looking at 1988. The position previews continue throughout the week, so we'll continue to have a lot of fun as we draw closer and closer to BYU football kicking off the season. Hope you guys are all doing well. Have a great weekend. Enjoy some time in the sun. And of course, we will talk to you guys again on a Monday. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 16th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys next week.